0: You know, one of the mantras that we say at Pearl Azumi is we think bikes can change the world. And and so I think that's one of the biggest drivers about why we're creating a lot of this content is because that's what we believe, you know.
1: Welcome to Trail Effect episode 17. I am your host, Josh Blum. Trail Effect is a show that dives into the stories behind trails, the communities that embrace trails, and the people who rely on trails as a way of life. The goal of this show is to turn the stories you will hear from our guests into useful knowledge that can be applied to your community while providing some entertaining and inspirational content. Guests on Trail Effect include trail builders, board members, community leaders, volunteers, and regular people who really enjoy trails. In full disclosure, I set out to get in touch with Pearl Izumi to help understand their angle on why they are creating awareness around trails and trail communities, on both the PearlZumi blog and their YouTube channel. This is how I was connected with today's guest, Joshua Lawton. Joshua is a content creator and storyteller for PearlZumi. We discussed all the various projects that PearlZumi has been creating content for such as the Dig series and Underexposed. We also discussed what PearlZumi is doing in terms of sustainability and apparel manufacturing. Support for Trail Effect comes from Smith's Bike Shop in La Crosse, Wisconsin. Smith's is a full-service bike shop that is a retailer for Trek Bicycle Company and cycles. Smith's also has a full line of components and accessories from Bontrager and other various companies, including Pearl Zumi. For more information about Smith's Bike Shop, go to www.smithsbikes.com. A special thanks goes out to Ben Wellenack of Mountain Bike Radio for supporting this podcast and to the people who have shared their time and knowledge. Without this, we would not have these stories to tell. This podcast is an Evolution Trail Services production. For more information about Evolution Trail Services, go to www.evotrails.com. I'm here with Pearl Zumi content creator and storyteller, Josh Lockton. How's it going today, Josh? Pretty good, how about you, man? Doing good. Let's get into your backstory a little bit, like how you got into what you're doing here at Pearl Zumi and maybe what's drawn you to this uh, this community of cycling in general.
0: Yeah, so I kind of got my start. I was a photojournalist um, at new in the newspaper world. I like to call myself a recovering photojournalist you know, worked on a bunch of multimedia stuff there and went to grad school after I kind of saw where newspapers were headed to learn about different ways to tell digital stories. And then got a job with International Mind Bicycling Association, uh, working for them on, um, you know, content and social media and membership stuff like that. And then I jumped over to Pearl and took this position, creating content and producing content for the brand.
1: Before you worked for Imba, um, how long, had you, how long had you been into mountain biking or is that something you got into in college or something even before that?
0: Yeah, I started mountain biking in the first college. I've been to, I did several different colleges. So took a non-traditional approach to education and, uh, yeah. So right out of high school, a friend of mine introduced me to mountain biking and uh i i got a a mongoose um at this local bike shop and just started riding and uh kind of took off from there
1: to kind of put this into perspective where where were you geographically at that time like where did you get into mountain biking
0: oh so i was in glenwood springs up in the roaring fork valley um and uh the first college I went to is Colorado mountain college for professional photography. And then, um, yeah, I just started riding, you know, there's not at that time there weren't a ton of trails up there. And so after that I upgraded my bike and I started just making trips out to Moab almost, I don't know, probably a couple of times a year to learn and get better. And then, uh, since I'm from the front range in Colorado or front range Denver area, I just do a bunch of riding down in Jefferson County. So that's kind of where I got started.
1: You're the second person I've had on this podcast that has ties to uh, photography and the Roaring Fork Valley and the Colorado Mountain College. Yeah, Uh, it was
0: a pretty good program. It was a really good program for a two year school. Yeah.
1: So with Pearl Zumi, it seems like you guys do a lot of content creation on all sorts of different um, aspects of cycling from gravel grinding to road riding. I know you. I've watched some of your content on YouTube with, you did a a series on the American criterium, but what, what kind of, what, what's Pearl Izumi's take or why did you guys decide to go this route with the Pearl Izumi blog? Maybe give a backstory on that and, and how it's kind of a non-traditional approach to getting some market share and and promoting your brand.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, it's more about celebrating the, the community of bikes you know and the cycling culture at large and so you know um talking about these stories of people that are out there riding is always more interesting than just talking about logos and great tech in products so i came on and you know the reason i got hired was to help kind of develop some of these stories and and share interesting content and so with my background in journalism I started to just really focus on interesting stories and interesting people and through a couple of my own random adventures I've networked and connected with videographers and photographers to to help kind of make these stories because I can't do them all and um, actually I'm in in a kind of a position now where I'm just quarterbacking and having all these other um folks kind of create the content and then I'm deploying it for the brand. So yeah, um you yeah, know, I mean real stories about real people is always more interesting. So
1: Yeah. yes, it looks like you have a, at least one story about Layla Wilcox and her uh kind of somewhat insane and very inspiring adventures.
0: Yeah, Layla's a Layla's a of super, super great human. And she's even like better on the bike. I mean, she's, she's a freak of nature when it comes to riding. I don't know how she does it, but yeah, I don't think you'll meet a nicer person. So
1: yeah, it definitely comes through when you, uh, can either watch some of her movies or listen to some of the podcasts she's been interviewed on. She seems to be super genuine and I don't know, man, riding to the start of a tour divide or something like that from Alaska just seems kind of crazy. And then doing it again. Yeah. Well, it was that. And then doing the whole thing again cuz you wanna maybe better yourself. Oh, yeah, no. She yeah,
0: she's just super inspiring. Like it it's insane. It's been really really fun to work with her and yeah, super great.
1: So what really caught my attention with with your brand and the stuff you guys are doing are um your interviews and your stuff with underexposed on YouTube. And then also, especially the, the dig series, Uh, maybe you could go into a little bit of the backstory and underexposed and what the kind of, what, you know, what kind of create content you're aiming for with underexposed and then we'll go into the dig series.
0: Yeah. So we, we partnered with Bryce Sherbach and, um, he's kind of been doing, um, some more in depth series for pink bike called local flavors where, you know, he goes in, Spends a lot of time with one location, talking to the people of the community, learning about the trails and and things like that. But they're more like really popular destinations, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And um, we were talking and he was like, well, I go on all these travels and I find out all these other trails that people don't really know about. And um, so we came up with a, the idea to just highlight some of these lesser known trails that you know, are super fun and there's a lot of community behind them that are making these trails possible and kind of giving them some, some shout outs, if you will, just because if anybody has been in the advocacy world for mountain bike trails, it's, it's such a slow slog sometimes to really get trails, you know, to go from concept to dirt on dirt on the, or tires on the dirt kind of a thing. So. So that was, that was the whole principle behind that was just these off the map, off the radar kind of rides that are, are possible out there. And then Bryce, he shoots all that stuff by himself, um, narrates it and then puts together the videos and, and then we, uh, we push it out that way.
1: Yeah. It's, it's some really good content. And when you talk about the slog that it is for getting stuff done, we refer to that locally as the speed of government, (laughs) which is the opposite of the speed of light. Yeah. Oh, you know, so I I like to call it glacial movement. So yeah, it's it's definitely slow, and and you probably got a really first hand experience of that with your time at Imba. You know, to see what really happens kind of behind the scenes in the trail world. Yeah, for sure. I mean,
0: and I think you know having that background and working at Imba and that understanding that advocacy world a little bit more than a lot of people in the industry. I think that's lent itself to to kind of driving some of these these storylines you know and in the dig series so that's where we're highlighting where these communities really come together in unique instances to to create trail networks that are are raising all boats you know like we did one in chancy ohio you know and it it's, it's a huge opportunity. The forest service was just like, here, there's, we have this giant plot of land. We just, you know, we just need to do something with it. And so going out there and finding all these partners to kind of get together and, and say, all right, let's use the economy of the bike to, to kind of change where we're at and improve the health of our community. It's been super powerful.
1: Yeah. It seems like the ecotourism side of things, has really, especially in the last 10 years, really taken off for a lot of these communities like Chansey, Ohio. You know, you see it a lot in the Northwest with old logging communities that have shut down that have used trails as their new form of their new economy. In my part of the woods, in the upper Midwest, we have it in Northern Minnesota um, with Duluth and Cuyuna and in the places in those areas, you know, and and then out East, you know, like in Chansey, Ohio, where you have mining communities that you know, they had that single economy that just shut down and they needed to, needed something to bring it back. And so that, those stories really, you know, they're awesome stories to share. And it's, it's really refreshing to see Pearl Zumi sharing those stories. Um, how did you, how did you come across the Bailey's trail system, which is the one in, in Chauncey or, and any of them, you know, cause you also did Fire Mountain. Like, how do you, how does this get on your radar?
0: Well, uh, honestly, it's from my connections at IMBA. I actually went to one of the first or third meetings of the um of the various uh, I don't know what you wanna how you wanna phrase it, but uh invested partners for that trail system. Um I did a ride along with at the time it was regional directors, so the country was broken up into regions and yep. There was, you know, an IMBA um designated person out there to help all these individual Groups kind of get things going and help them navigate, you know, that, that speed of government hurdle. So, um, I, I just happened to be on the ride along for, for the, one of the first meetings on that project. And, you know, honestly, that was seven years ago. So, I mean, that's just gives you a little bit of an insight in how long it takes these things to happen. But yeah, Andy Williamson, he, he was, Guy that kind of I poked on to get some information on some good projects in the east half of the country because you know there tends to be a little bit of an overemphasis on the western half of the U.S. and just because there's a lot more open spaces to kind of build trails and do things. But, um, so yeah, we I talked to him and then kind of got a couple of ideas there. And you know, this next year we're going to do probably more projects in this in the western half of the U.S. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, now Andy's living in the uh, kind of the Fire Mountain region.
0: Yeah, so he moved down there. And he's with another organization now, and you know their whole principle is basically understanding how to how to do that eco tourism and using recreation for for improving um, not only the communities, but there's financial viability there. So yeah, and Fire Mountain, I mean, that is such a great story, and if people haven't watched that film yet, like just, you know, seeing a community be able to, to take a piece of land and, and really change what's going on with their, with their community as far as health and, um, economy. Like, I don't know that when Justin Baylog, he's one of the filmmakers that are used for most of these projects. Uh, he sent the, the early version to me and I was like, wow, this is. Is super great.
1: So. I'm hoping to uh, connect for a future podcast with the Fire Mountain people so we can get that story out. Because it their story is especially unique, being that it's a Native American tribe that's doing it on, on their property. Yeah. You haven't heard that, at least I haven't heard that a lot, out of the United States. I've heard it more out of Canada, especially Western Canada, where First Nations tribes are doing this kind of stuff. But, yeah, you know, to have the native Americans in the United States latch onto this and really help their community. And yeah.
0: And those communities actually are at a little bit of an advantage cause they own the land. So they, they have their own process to, to kind of get these things done and fire mountain, you know, they just had to say, okay, we're going to use this section of, of the, the area and turn it into trails. And so they, they had, they didn't have to worry about a lot of that, you know, those regulations and land um, use approvals and NEPA and, and stuff like that, I mean, they're still definitely taking into account, you know, the environmental uh, concerns, but they can do it at their own pace, which is, you know, super great. But there's a couple of coming on in the West, actually, at, on a couple of reservations that I think will be super, super
1: great from a cultural resource perspective, they're gonna know their cultural resources better than anybody. Right. You know, so getting those kind of things flagged and stuff like that, which is, you know, part of the process that a lot of people don't realize happens when it comes to, that's, that's the stuff that makes stuff go at the speed of government. Right, yeah, you know, for sure. I mean, and, and even to
0: the most recent issues with wildland fires and things like that, you know, I mean, Um, you're talking about these, these communities that have managed natural spaces for thousands of years. So, um, they've, they've got a handle on that stuff.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So that definitely is, is something that can push projects faster than the speed of government. Yeah. So with, uh, so you've kind of alluded to the fact that you got some more stuff coming out. Let's talk about Pearl Zoomy just in general, as a, as a, from a product standpoint. You know, you work for Pearl Zumi, it like, sounds like you've been there for, what, three years now, maybe? Um, yeah, I'm going into my fourth year, I think. Cool. Yeah. So what, as a, from a company standpoint, what kind of sets Pearl Zumi apart from other companies that are in your kind of space? So I think what sets us apart from a lot
0: of uh, apparel companies is our focus on sustainability. You know, we're really working hard to make sure that the materials that we're using are sustainable long-term. The, the apparel industry is kind of renowned for how much waste we, we all produce. And so we, a few years ago, internally, we saw, we saw opportunities to make this, um, to make what we make better for the planet and for people using those. And so I think that's one of the major things is just our focus on sustainability. And then the other aspect is that we design and make everything ourselves. We're not buying things off the shelf. And then, so we come up with ideas or we've um, put that up, talk to people that are actual riders and get the, get the feedback to, to develop and redevelop pieces. And then put it through a huge wear test prog- um, program before we even take it to, to market so that we know that it's gonna hold up and that it's gonna be you know, something that riders really wanna use.
1: Yeah, do you have a certain product or certain products within your line that kind of your go-to stuff that you really like to use where you where you ride?
0: Um, you know, I mean, I love our mountain bike shorts. Just, you know, they they fit right for riding. They don't get hung up on on stuff and you know, there's a lot of flexibility in our gear as far as cuz I do a lot of gravel riding too, so that that crossover kind of gear I really like a lot of that. A lot of our newest mountain bike stuff has been super, super good as far as like being able to ride in cooler and colder weather. Um, There's a lot of great stuff that like our Amphib um, jacket is a lot of fun. You can stay warm out there. I think it's going to be a great piece for even fat biking. So,
1: Yeah, and that's a big, big part of where I live, even though we haven't had much for snow yet this year it's kind of a weird year fat biking is definitely a huge thing in the upper midwest yeah we've been really dry here too in colorado but yeah they got a couple inches of snow south of us down by madison over the weekend and even bentonville saw like five inches of snow wow So i kind of <laughs> that <laughs> which is pretty rare
0: so on the fruit range it's been it's been really parched here but yeah still been riding quite a bit so that's good
1: yeah so yeah last well, I- Same on my end, you know, I'm still riding dirt. Usually it'd be grooming for fat biking and, and hoping that conditions aren't warming up to where they're too soft, but it's been, it's been good frozen hero dirt. Yeah. Do you have anything else in closing that you guys, you want to touch on quick before we wrap this thing up? I I mean, again, it just seems like there's not many companies that are doing what you guys are doing with promoting, especially these, these communities that are really looking for their new economy. And even with your underexposed, like, you know, I don't know Bryce Sherbach personally. I've seen a lot of his work. His work is really good. Mm-hmm. A friend of mine who owns a bike shop about 30 miles from where I live randomly ran into Bryce when he was riding it at, at their trail system a year ago. Yeah. And yeah, I think he was in between, um, shooting, I think he was up in Duluth shooting some stuff prior to being down here, but you know, it's, it's places like it's the, it's these communities that you don't know about and the communities that are really embracing cycling to be their economy.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think this year with the pandemic, you know, it really opened a lot of people's eyes back up to riding bikes. And there's a lot of, a lot of people that are kind of getting back on bikes. You know, if you, if you want to call them remounts or something like that and, and kind of finding that joy on riding bikes is, is kind of nice to see again. But there's also a lot of people kind of getting into the sport too and it's such a social con the mountain bike space is such a social community, right? Like somebody gets a mountain bike and they're talking about how, how fun it is. And then their buddy's like, well, wait, what? And then they want to be a part of it. And it just kind of grows from there. And, you know, even when I started mountain biking, you don't really know where these trails come from. They just kind of happen, right? you just, oh, I'm going to go ride mountain bikes. Sweet. And I think really kind of educating people on where these trails are how they come to be helps get them kind of to get more investment in in the sport and to be a part of it a little bit more so that you know i mean yeah these communities can leverage them and and be more economically viable you know i mean just look at history of moab and fruta now bentonville um and things like that i mean it's just there's a lot of opportunity and you know, one of the mantras that we say at Pearl Azumi is we think bikes can change the world. And and so I think that's one of the biggest drivers about why we're creating a lot of this content is because that's what we believe, you know, bikes are, there's a lot of potential there. Bikes have kind of been what they are for over 200 or yeah, about 200 years. Right. So
1: yeah, since the 1800s.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, there's it's
1: kind of a perfect machine. So, yeah. And even a pandemic aside, I think Nika, um, is really, as far as the social aspect goes, you know, you get a kid on a bike, the kid's got parents. Now they're all of a sudden, you know, taking an interest in this and potentially they have siblings, right. And other family members, extended family, and it just magnifies the whole thing. And so it's a great time to be in bikes. Yeah. And I think the women's groups, um, that yeah, yeah. pop
0: up, you know. Like one of our ambassadors, Jennifer Hess, she's up in Wyoming, and Kurt Gowdy, ran, um, the zone. And you know, she started out with just like two clinics a year, and now she's doing, she's maxed out. and She's done ten of them in a summer, not this year because of COVID. But you know, like it's it's really surprising to see the women's groups kind of exploding with interest because you know they feel when there's women out there that kind of support women and give them uh, the opportunity to, to succeed, it's, it's super powerful.
1: Yeah, for sure. And that sometimes I forget about that because my wife rides and I have two daughters that ride. And so I just sometimes take it for granted and cause it's just so I see it every day. Right. Mm-hmm. But the women have been, I think, you know, worldwide have been taken off and it's awesome to see, you know, I, seems like Bentonville comes up a lot in in the podcast that I do because they're the, the new hotspot of cycling, but they have a a women of Oz program that is like hundreds of women. Yeah. You know, at all different
0: levels. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, a lot of our ambassadors are, you know, they're the ones that are kind of leading some of these women's groups and it's, it's great. You know, more people on bikes, the
1: better. Yeah. And, And getting people who feel comfortable on bikes and getting them into comfortable places on bikes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, a lot of people may take a cynical view that, that, yeah, you're just trying to get more people on bikes to to get more gear sold. And yeah, I mean, everybody's got to stay in business, but at the same time, bikes can be such a great resource for, for health, for community. And, you know, like I've said, it's just, there's a lot of power there. So hopefully we can get more people riding.
1: Well, I don't, I don't think I have any more questions. Do you have anything you'd like to add before I hit stop? No, I can't, I can't really think of
0: anything. I mean, yeah. I mean, stories are just important to, to get the, the message out there.
1: But we'll definitely uh, do what we can to promote people that come to your YouTube channel and your, your pearls of me blog, because there's a lot of excellent content out there. There's even you did. I don't know if it was you or if you just, if you did the story, if you quarterback the story, but there's a story on the adaptive cycling side of things that Recently came out, and that's just that's another powerful point.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I think that's part of the storytelling that we're trying to do too—is to show all these different aspects of the community. It's you know, there's so many different styles of riding, even within mountain bike or just within gravel and bike packing. You know, like it's not monolithic. It's there's a lot of different people doing it for different reasons. I I always say a bike can be whatever a person needs it to be whether that is you know fitness exercise um release transportation i mean there's a lot of opportunity there and and so you know highlighting adaptive riders um the one of our ambassadors has this enormous filipino mountain bike group in las vegas and southern california i mean there's just there's so many stories out there, and I think they're all super inspiring.
1: Well, I really appreciate you taking the time today. Yeah, for being able to get interviewed and get your story out, and get Pearl Zumi's story out, and maybe other brands will start doing what you guys are doing. But at the same time, you guys are producing some excellent content. So,
0: well, thanks for um, thanks for letting me jump on. I mean, I'm just I'm I'm glad that people are noticing what we're doing and. Hopefully, uh, yeah. Hopefully, there's more stories that come out there
1: and, and inspire people to, to jump on the bike. I hope you enjoyed the Pearl Zoom interview, and we'll take the time to check out some of their content and products. Links for all of this can be found in the show notes. Next week, we welcome Santa Cruz Bicycles, and we highlight what Santa Cruz has been doing with their paydirt Fund and how Santa Cruz has been giving back to trails and trail communities since the start of the company. Please remember to leave a comment and rate the show wherever you consume your podcasts. This podcast has been made possible by Mountain Bike Radio. Smith's Bike Shop in La Crosse, Wisconsin, and is an Evolution Trail Services production. If you have ideas on future communities or people to feature on Trail Effect, please don't hesitate to reach out by emailing evolutiontrails at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening.